Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to give feedback on four of your Paper Tease teasers on this month's session of Paper Tease in August of 2020. So welcome. And just a reminder of what Paper Tease is, if you haven't done it before or heard any of these segments, essentially our listeners will send in the first up to eight pages of their TV script, whether it's a drama or comedy, it can be any format you want. And it's just the teaser or the cold open. And we will take a read, give you our thoughts or notes, how it sets it up for the series. And hopefully that's helpful to you. That's right. And just uh, to mention at the top of the hour, and uh, we'll uh, remind you at the end of this episode, but we are doing a slight addition uh, moving forward. So this isn't for these pilots, but moving forward, we are adding an option for every person to submit a short summary of the rest of the pilot. So obviously, in our paper tease session, we give feedback on the first eight pages or so, or essentially the teaser of your original pilot. But since we discuss a lot about thoughts on where the episode might lead and so forth, and we often have questions about what the rest of the pilot slash show might be, we thought, and uh, this is actually an idea, a uh, shout out to uh, Alex Switzky, our editor for Preview Team, who mentioned the idea of having a, a space for people to submit essentially a summary of the rest of the pilot. And this would actually be ideally where the way we're going to do things uh, moving forward is we're actually not going to read that summary until after we've read the teaser. So that way it doesn't really influence our thoughts on your teaser. And the idea would just be for us to actually get an answer as to what the rest of the pilot might be like. So this would be an optional field. We definitely recommend people when they submit their teaser to fill out a little summary. It doesn't have to be a one page or a three page or kind of thing. We really want it to be as accessible as possible. And again, if you don't have that available, then might as well just send the teaser. But it's definitely an option that we want to put out there. Yeah, just a paragraph or a half a page kind of outlining what happens in the rest of the thing, I think will really help us be able to inform our discussion about your teaser and say, is this uh, actually setting up exactly what the rest of your thing is? Is it could it be more effective? And that way it just eliminates some of the guesswork for us of where is this going next? And we can kind of answer that question and then give more impactful feedback on your teasers. So uh, if you want to submit teasers in and also with these new uh, short summaries of the rest of your pilot, you can do it at paperteam.co slash teaser. Excellent. And now let's get on with the show with the first teaser of the bunch. And as always, we have a dedicated slot for our Patreon subscribers. That's at paperteam.co slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And uh, this month, it is Peter C. Hayward who sent us a teaser. Right. This one is called Dad's the Word by Peter C. Hayward. In this multicam, we find in a Brooklyn apartment, Jason and Amelia, a young couple raising a baby. They have tickets to see Hamilton. However, they need to find someone to watch over their baby. They get a young kid named Wallace to do so. Jason is overprotective of his baby, but then finally hands it over to Wallace. More comfortable, Wallace approaches a window, which happens to be wide open, and as an alarm clock loudly sounds, Wallace jumps and accidentally throws the baby out the window. Uh, what did you think of this, Alex? It was interesting. I mean, first of all, I got to mention, uh, as you just said, it, it is a multicam and we don't often get multicams. So that was actually a pleasant surprise to read a, an actual multicam. For me, I thought it was fun and light. My sort of biggest uh, takeaway is just the end uh, felt a bit uh, horrifying <laughs> because <laughs> the, this guy just throws a baby out the window, which in of itself is obviously absurd. But I kind of wanted to see like where, <laughs> where the baby landed, or I guess where the joke landed in the sense of this is very horrifying of just taking it you know at face value here so i was a bit taken aback by that sudden abrupt end and kind of wanted 
I guess the butt of the joke, because I'm assuming the joke is in that the baby's dead and that's the end of that. So that was kind of what was missing for me in that teaser. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this kind of comes down somewhat to a tone issue. I think that so far it's been very grounded. You know, it is a multicam, it's a family at home, they're going through their struggles and, and that sort of thing. So we haven't really gotten a sense of this really like heightened absurd comedy that throwing a baby out the window would suggest. But I think if that's something that you want to do in a road that you want to go down, then we need to really be establishing, uh, again, that, that heightened sense of tone and comedy where uh, throwing a baby out the window is funny to the audience because we know the baby's okay and this kind of stuff happens all the time. Otherwise, we're just going to assume that maybe this baby is dead. And that's very, very dark. So Absolutely. Especially because up to that point, it was like you said, it was very grounded. It was pretty much your uh, quote unquote standard uh, multicam uh, dynamic with the couple and the baby. And I'm, I don't know if it's the next door neighbor or whoever it is, Wallace, they're uh, taking over the kid. So that in of itself is very pretty much run of the mill. And, the, you know, obviously we can talk about the jokes there and so forth. But overall, as you said, the tone is very grounded. So in effect, when you see this normal person throwing a baby out of the window, it's very jarring. It's sort of like, wait, is this like a single cam type of joke or maybe like animated kind of joke as opposed to something that you would see necessarily in a multicam? Yeah, for sure. Um, and moving on to some other stuff about the pilot, I did like the deliberate effort towards representation and inclusion. Uh, Jason, as a, the parent of this kid, is a trans man, and so I don't think that's something we've really seen uh, on TV or in a multicam necessarily before, and I think that could be a really important step forward in the TV world. So um, I think that that's a great choice uh, to explore that story. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree with everything you're saying. Like you said, I don't think I've ever seen a trans character in the multicam on the network TV show before. I could be completely wrong on this. But the, I mean, just the dynamic of these three characters is relatively unique, despite the fact that it is kind of, you know, matter of fact, a couple with a baby in Brooklyn. Like you said, I feel like the representation there is, is very interesting. Uh, in terms of the comedy and the jokes on the page, I think for the most part they were amusing and, and they worked on that kind of multi-cam level. However, there were a few references I thought that were maybe a little bit dated or at risk of not connecting with the audience. Uh, the biggest one for me was a Tamagotchi. I think that being mindful of what your audience and the, the, the demographic is, multicams tend to skew older. So if it is that older audience that you're getting from like a CBS or a network or whatever, there's a chance they're not going to get a Tamagotchi reference. While then again, even like a younger, newer audience, if you're trying to go for you know, 18 year old kids and whatever, they might be too young for the Tamagotchi reference. So you're kind of really trying to hit a sweet spot here of like our generation who are now in their early thirties and that kind of thing who grew up having Tamagotchi. So, you know, I'd be worried that that's not quite topical enough or not fresh enough uh, for comedy. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't quite bump on the Tamagotchi. Actually, uh, for me, it was the opposite effect where I was actually pleasantly surprised to see, I guess, such a relevant for like a better word in terms of uh, like you said you know it's, it's sort of our generation and these characters are our generation so i would expect that kind of reference this is actually uh, i guess a meta conversation about who would be watching sort of a multicam and so forth but putting aside the fact that i guess people our age would not necessarily watch a multicam and it would definitely be probably a cbs type uh, older audience nonetheless i feel like for the content of the show i, I felt it was pretty relevant and, uh, and i guess fresh quote-unquote for what it is uh trying to do especially because a multicam as a format is relatively passe. I actually appreciated some of those newer kind of jokes, especially with Hamilton and so forth. I kind of wanted more of that, actually. 
Yeah, I mean, there will always be a difference of opinion in, in comedy and that sort of thing. So I think that's, that's totally fine. I think it is just a matter of like, if you are very clearly focused in on your audience being exactly our generation, then absolutely go ham with those references. And if that's what the tone and the feel of the show is, then go for it. I think it's just a matter of establishing that and then kind of playing within that world. So, And to that point, I would also say there's a potential opportunity there to, especially if you're leaning into the fact that it's for millennials and so forth, at least giving a better sense of the dynamics between Jason and Amelia and specifically Wallace. I'm not sure who Wallace is regarding them. Obviously, you know, you don't need to make it a huge deal, especially in a teaser, but just a line here or there to really clarify what the situation there is. And also, especially in the in the case where it is content geared towards millennials and so forth, I would want at least a slight different situation, not a situation per se, but I feel like the context of or the story rather is relatively straightforward, right? It's just a couple struggling with finding a babysitter and uh, getting <laughs> to see Hamilton, which I mean, don't we all <laughs> wish that now? Putting that aside, I kind of wanted more of that. Uh, I will mention, especially Wallace, uh, how he fits in with the dynamic. That was one thing that I wanted to mention that was a bit missing here. Yeah, I think to your point there, that kind of plays into what I wanted to discuss as to what makes us want to read on versus not. Maybe we can jump back to the micro after that. But just playing off of your point there about the situation, it, it does feel like the story right now doesn't have a lot of narrative momentum. You know, like you said, they realize they need to go to a show. They hire a babysitter. The babysitter throws the kid out the window. You know, it feels a little bit almost like half of a scene. It's it's unresolved. And I don't really get a broader picture of where everything is going from there, both on just an episodic story level and in terms of the show, uh, you know, on a broader conceptual level. I want to understand, like, what's this sitcom's shtick? Like, what's its unique thing? What's its engine? And in what world are we playing in? Is this sitcom about being new parents? You know, you say that they're a typical middle-class heterosexual couple. So, you know, what makes this show unique and interesting that we haven't seen? before. And, you know, I think that the trans inclusion and representation is great, but that doesn't really make for the whole show. It's just a character in the show. So I want to understand like what the show is and how it functions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say just reading between the lines and, you know, the title of the script is that's the word. And in the little teaser that we got, we did see uh, Jason sort of being a bit overprotective as, as a father figure. So I, I would presume that like narratively speaking, he would be the focus and that's kind of what the show would be about. But to that idea, again, I kind of wanted more of that uh, in the same way that uh, Nick, you also wanted more sort of story purposes. Just on a little micro note, I, I thought that uh, it was a little bit odd that the teaser started about a third of the way down the page. <laughs> yes. um, and I went back and checked some multicam scripts I had and multicams I've worked on. And I don't think I've seen any of them actually do that. The rest of the multicam formatting was spot on with the character names and everything and the spacing. But I'm not really sure why there was that big gap there. Yeah, I had the exact same sort of micro notes. And ultimately, it is wasted real estate, right? Like, again, uh, the fact that it is a sort of a half scene or half situation there that needs some conclusion, you have the real estate, especially if you move up the teaser, there's definitely room there, quite literally room there for added content. Well, thanks so much, Peter, for sending that one in. We always appreciate our Patreons, like yourself, uh, submitting through the uh, paper tease slot that we have dedicated to all of our Patreon supporters. So if you want to do the same thing, you can do that over at uh, paperteam.co slash Patreon. And as always, we appreciate that support and enjoy reading your stuff on the podcast. And our next teaser is Earthrise Earthset by Zach Kostierka. And in Earthrise Earthset, we are aboard the Ursa 2 space station orbiting the moon in the year 2198. Captain Ched Milo and his navigator Uma Izawa watch an Earthrise, a phenomenon that happens every 48 minutes 
orbiting the moon. Uma is issued a secret command to make the captain touch the window 10 times, but she isn't allowed to touch the window in doing so herself. She tricks the captain into a game of tic-tac-toe as they discuss whether they are saviors of all earthbound species on a noble mission or lab rats who have no say in their lives trapped in the station trying not to die. Milo tries to flirt with Uma and inquires about her date with Troy Tucker while she is more concerned about what they're missing out back on Earth, like knowing what rain feels like. Uma succeeds at getting the captain to touch the window 10 times, and then they are interrupted by the announcement of some new arrivals to the station. They rush out, excited to meet them. What did you think of Earthrise Earth set? Yeah, I thought this was an interesting one. I thought the writing was really solid and a uh, good use of sort of subtext and, you know, discussing things on the surface, but uh, having broader implications about the whole show and the themes of it and everything there. Uh, and just sort of an interesting setting and premise too of like, where are these people? What's going on? But it was a little unclear to me in a way, like what was going on and more so veering into the confusion side of things rather than good mystery. Like the command that Uma is issued is this like, at first I thought it was like a dare or a prank from other people on the ship. But, you know, now I'm wondering, is it part of their mission to perform these kind of like random social cues and be observed doing them? You know, I'd like to know a little bit more about like, where's this command coming from? What's kind of going on here at all? Yeah, the exact same thoughts and I guess confusion there. Uh, it's a nice sort of slice of life moment and there's a bit of interesting world building there. But plot wise, I was a bit confused, like you said, by the command there, especially the way it's introduced. I feel like a lot of it could be massaged in the prose, especially if it is some sort of, you know, meta command giving uh, absurd things to do for their test subject. Uh, my mind immediately goes to Portal, the game's Portal, if you've played it. It's very much like you are a test subject and uh, being asked to do these ridiculous things in the game. Again, a lot of it uh, could be massaged in the way that you're presenting it. Now, I will also mention that uh, as a teaser, you could play it either way because as it stands, the touching the window 10 times is incredibly low stakes, right? Like it's not really something that is a clear or be really quote unquote milked within the teaser, especially at the point where the command is quickly mentioned one time. And then around halfway through around touch number four, that's when the pros really highlights, oh, this touch four, touch five, touch six, etc. Whereas if you do it throughout the teaser and it's sort of comically even more emphasized in that way where it's like, oh my God, this is touch number one and touch number two. And there's a bit of tension there, uh, even though the stakes may be abstract and low, you could heighten that situation in such a way that we organically understand the importance that the captain needs to touch this window 10 times because that's an order or there's something there that's going on. So that way we can also track both the progression of that command, but also uh, organically, hopefully get a better understanding, especially in the conversation between Uma and Milo of what command is or the fact that they're a test subject and so forth. So at least we get sort of a two layer approach to this command. Yeah, definitely. I think that that was part of it for me too, was just sort of, if we understand that there is some sort of like, you know, computer on the ship that issues orders randomly that they have to do and other people aren't allowed to know about them. Like you don't have to be so over the top that you're cranking out the exposition of it. But I think that, you know, the writer has demonstrated that they can explain things in a nuanced and subtle enough way that you could definitely just massage it to know that like they get these commands every now and then. And this is what happens because, you know, I was kind of confused too. I'm like, if this guy's the captain, then who's issuing this command and all that sort of thing. So um, I think that, you know, just setting that up and establishing it. And then, yeah, like you said, turning it into this kind of game in the teaser would really help to make it stronger. Cool. Do we have any micro notes on Earthrise Earth set? 
Yeah, I mean, this is a really minor thing and maybe more of a personal pet peeve, but I don't really like it when people include the title of the script and the episode name and whatever on the header of every page. I find that kind of distracting. It kind of cramps the page a little bit. And I think that really that function is there for production drafts when you need to denote you know, revision numbers, colors, episode, and that sort of thing uh, on each one of the pages. And I, I don't think people should necessarily be doing it in their own original pilots, but I'm open to discussion on that. I'm more neutral towards it. I feel like what really pushes it over the edge for me is the fact that the title is bold in uh, that header. I feel like if it were not bold, then you could kind of, you know, forget it. And it kind of blends into the background and you can read on. But the fact that it's emphasized every single page to me really pushes it over the edge in terms of, I, like you said, a lot of it, it's mostly for production. So there's no real reason to add it to a spec script, but even more so when it's bolded every page where you should reserve that kind of formatting to moments in the script to emphasize important things, right? If you are actually bolding things in the script, that's the point of it. But outside of it, if you're not using it, then it kind of detracts from the content of the script, which is not necessarily a positive thing. All right. And uh, what makes us want to read on here versus not? I mean, it's a lot of what we we touched upon. I feel like the, there's a lot of potential there, especially at the point where it's A, clear what this command thing is, and B, emphasizing, like you said, the game of it, but really the stakes, right? In, in essence, if the teaser is about this person trying to make this other person touch this window 10 times, that should really be what the teaser is about. And obviously, that sounds limited and not very compelling, but you know, with the backdrop of understanding, oh, these are lab rats on the moon and blah, blah. And you, if you heighten that, the stakes and that game of it, then really you have a lot going on there. Yeah, for sure. And I think that plays into like the broader stakes of the whole series too. And, you know, they mentioned being the saviors of humankind. And, you know, while again, you don't need to just explain that outright in the teaser and you probably shouldn't uh, just some hint of like why this experiment is so important or, or what is at stake if they don't do all of these things, both on the micro and macro level. But yeah, you know, I'm generally interested in this setting and what's going on. Uh, I kind of feel like the final beat of the teaser could have used something a little more there, a little more mystery or tension in terms of making us want to know what happens next. Like this visit sounds like it's pre-planned. So it's not really a surprise or a shock. They're just excited these people are there. You know, you can hint a little bit more at who is coming. Is it new recruits? Is it their bosses checking in? And is it uh, replacements? You know, like why is this such a big event? Do they only come once every 20 years? Like just a little extra hint there as to like why I really need to turn the page and start reading act one to see who this is and why they're here uh, would really help. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's a, a two-pronged approach. One is the most of the teaser is really that game of the touching. And so really, if you emphasize the fact that they're not just lab rats, but this is an extremely important mission to save mankind. And then the mission you understand as an audience member is to make the captain touch the window 10 times. And you're like, wait, what? What's happening here? Emphasizing the joke there, I feel like there's a lot of potential there in terms of they go through those motions and then the butt of the joke is, oh, actually, these motions are very, really reductive things to do for no particular reason. And you don't necessarily have to understand why the minutiae, why the touching happens, but it's more about understanding oh, what the characters believe, why they're doing what they're doing in essence. Why is Uma wanting the captain to touch the window 10 times? That's because it's a command and that's because they're trying to save humankind or whatever the excuse is there. So that's one thing. The B thing, like you said, the end of the teaser, we didn't really mention it up, up until this point, but that's another opportunity there to heighten a bit the drama and propel us forward to the rest of the episode because the whole teaser is just Milo and Uma. And so obviously they're isolated in that capacity and uh, we don't really have any information about what's going on 
outside of that, outside of the command aspect. So the fact that there are people coming there, understanding the dynamic there and how it ties to the command, I feel like would also add something more to the end of the teaser. Yeah, for sure. And just quickly to your point of heightening that kind of game of touching the window and understanding the stakes, you could even have like a time limit or something on, you know, the thing like you have to touch this within two minutes or whatever, so that we actually get a sense of, uh, oh, no, she needs to make him touch the last thing. And then, you know, you can kind of play with that and have her like, becoming more and more insistent that like, uh, make your move, make your move, and he's too busy trying to flirt with her or whatever, you know, you can really get into the game of the dynamics there once you understand, even if the stakes is just time will run out, and we don't know what that means. Uh, it really just contributes to uh, the tension and makes it more interesting. All right, let's move on to our next teaser. All right, and the next teaser is Cuba Libre by Stephen Nolly. Uh, so in the summer of 1969, people board a plane, including a seven year old boy and his mother. A man in a dark suit helps them pack some luggage overhead, while two Arab men and a hippie make their way to their seats. The young boy is on edge, including being skeeved up by the nearby hippie who keeps glancing at the Arab men. The man in a dark suit is able to calm the panicked boy by handing him some gum. Moments later, as the plane is about to depart, policemen and canine dogs board the plane. Tensions are high as they reach the hippie, recognizing a lumpy mass taped to his body, which turns out to not be a bomb, but instead drugs. The cabin sighs in relief as the police cuff the hippie and lead him off the plane. Later, as the plane is at a cruising altitude, the man in a dark suit flirts with the flight attendant. He orders a drink, a Cuba Libre, and discusses Castro. A long-haired man and a bearded man then forcefully push their way to the front of the plane. The man in dark casually walks up the aisle to join them before pulling out a gun, kicking the cockpit door in, and pointing his gun at the pilot, ordering him to take them to Havana. Um, what were your thoughts on this one, Alex? It was interesting. I mean, I really like the era and there's a lot of potential there in terms of the backstory and the world. I would say as an entry point, the whole plane takeover was a bit anticlimactic, especially in 2020. I really feel like it's hard to be surprised in a narrative by sort of a hijacked plane situation. At least to me, it was pretty clear how, you know, those expectations are going to be traditionally subverted, which is obviously like the nice man helping the panicked boy is actually the bad guy all, all along. So really the most interesting part of me for the teaser was actually that man in their dark suit and that world building, quote unquote, with the Cuba Libre Castro, like when that conversation he was having with the flight attendant, getting a better sense essentially of the time and place of, you know, summer 1969, going to Cuba, whatever, as opposed to just this sort of onboard plane threat in of itself, which didn't really feel proprietary to 1969. Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. I do like the the title card at the top that really helps establish the expectations of the world and, and what's in play in terms of like hijacking, that sort of thing. And I thought the writing throughout was really solid. And, you know, like you said, playing with expectations was good in a way, you know, the default assumption from stereotypes is, oh, of course, it's the Arabic guys who are going to be the plane hijackers or whatever, uh, you know, and they're also deflecting into the hippie with the drugs and all that kind of thing. But, you know, like you said, I think that in a way, your average reader gets that that's going to be the subversion of expectations here that like, if, if they did the obvious choice, it wouldn't be interesting, it would be like, objectively tropey or cliched. So it's like, you're, you are expecting that turn already. So in a way, you almost need like another little subversion or reversal or whatever, because, you know, we build this up for so long and there's so much attention being thrown towards the Arabic men. But when, you know, your average reader is just sort of like, well, I know it's not going to be them. So I think you really need to play that kind of double, triple guessing game with the audience sometimes in order to genuinely surprise them. Especially because in my mind, it is sort of the, if you look at the structure of uh, this teaser or this takeover, it is in essence another kind of trope, which is everything is just going to be all right. But obviously, five seconds later, hijack takeover. So as you said, the average reader, I mean, I don't know if I would consider myself an average reader, but I really feel like generally speaking, people are very savvy about those turns. And so that's why to me, what appealed to me was less 
the sort of the the twists and turns of this hijacking, which for me personally, there weren't that many. It's much more, again, the character, right? Like the reason why this man in dark suit is taking over the plane and going to Havana, like that's very interesting, right? Like that whole world building that's, uh, like I said, proprietary of 1969 in that era, that's what I personally want from that teaser and that world as opposed to sort of another kind of generic hijacking of the plane. Again, I'm not talking about the last page or so. I'm talking about everything else before that, where, you know, you build attention with a young boy and in of itself, that's, you know, that's perfectly serviceable, but it doesn't really add anything that services the rest of the show, right? Or the pilot or uh, the man dark suit. It's almost just a, a distraction. You spend all this real estate on a distraction that doesn't really pay off. It's sort of like a mirage, but uh, in terms of the story or the characters, it doesn't really service that. Yeah, I agree. I think that I kind of wanted more of, of a clear point of view in the teaser and it's obvious uh, seemingly that the man in the dark suit is the character we're going to be following, but also all that we're given about him is literally he's a man in a dark suit and he helps pack some stuff and he's nice to people and all this kind of thing. So, you know, there's a bit of a contradiction in juxtaposition and who he is demonstrated through the action, but I would have appreciated at least maybe a little more character description when he was introduced eventually finding out his name like something like that that like if this is going to be our main character our protagonist throughout the series i think we need to develop him a little more than just this kind of you know man in the dark suit and how he plays into the kind of teaser action and game everything that goes on there Right. And I think that the part of that issue is the fact that because the teaser is so front loaded with the tension building around a potential bombing of the plane and who's going to be the, the perpetrator of that, all of that is focused from the perspective of the young boy, which Again, maybe I can play it wrong and the young boy is the lead of the show or something like that, but it doesn't seem to be, you know, a very important character past this sort of the first few pages of this teaser. In a vacuum, I get the appeal of sort of seeing the tension ratchet up through the perspective of this young boy. But then to me, it's either or. Either you do the whole teaser and show through the perspective of this, or at least the teaser at the very least, through the perspective of the young boy. And then you see that young boy reacting to the men in the dark suit who just gave him gum be the bad guy. There's definitely something there also to be addressed. Or it's much more about the man in a dark suit through and through. And you can still do a little bit of a, a distraction with, you know, the hippie. Uh, but uh, at least that will give you more opportunity to dig into who the man in a dark suit is. And there's a lot of appeal to adding mystery around him, but uh, adding purposeful mystery, not just removing content, right? Like there's a difference between adding uh, an air of interest uh, around the man in a dark suit as opposed to just saying it's a man in a dark suit with no other context two more little things I wanted to mention. I, I would have liked a little bit more reaction from the passengers to this guy pulling out a, a gun and kicking in the door. I think it really dulls the impact of that moment because it's all just so smooth and clean and sudden and, and uneventful. It feels like no one really cares. We don't have anyone screaming that even the pilot doesn't react. It's just like this guy opens the thing and pulls out the gun. And so you're putting all of the weight of the, the shock and surprise of this moment on the fact he's hijacking when, you know, as we've established, Alex, it's pretty clear that someone's going to hijack this plane. So uh, I think you want to just kind of do more in the moment on the page with the boy crying and you know i had the exact same moment picked out both the gun but also the young boy panicking when he shouts there's no propellers on the plane presumably 
it's definitely going to cause some sort of commotion or especially in 1969. So maybe again, adding the fact that, like to that idea of just heightening those moments, that would also add a lot of tension. If the presumption is that in 1969, you board a plane and there's a 50-50 shot that your plane is going to be hijacked, let's say, or even like a 20% chance that uh, you're going to board a plane and maybe you're going to be hijacked or bombed or whatever. I feel like that adds a whole lot of stress to every single passenger in that plane. Uh, and maybe some people are be like, well, I'm just going to take some Xanax and sleep it through. But definitely is going to be a little bit of more tension there. You know, it's like someone yelling a fire in a theater, right? Or a car at a space. It, it needs a, le- a lot of that tension there to really emphasize this is the situation in 1969 at the height of the Cold War on this plane, et cetera, et cetera. And you can really push it further emotionally there. Yeah. And the last tiny little note I had was like, where is this plane going in the first place? I don't know if it was ever established where it's flying for it then to be rerouted to Havana. So that might just help give us another sense of place. It's from a Sydney Estrella to LAX. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, uh, what will make us uh, want to read on versus not? Yeah, For me, I think it comes down to what I often ask, which is what is this show about each week? Is it an anthology where we follow a different hijacking every week and, and the story of those planes? Or, you know, is it a more serialized show about this one man hijacking? Jacking a plane and going to Cuba uh, to do something, you know, join the revolution or bring down Castro, or whatever it is. And I think that that just ties into the idea of wanting more of that POV of the man in the dark suit, if this is his story and if there's going to be an entire show revolving around him. You know, obviously you have limited real estate in a teaser, but I think you can still set up what exactly is this show and how is it going to play out every week uh, a little bit in that teaser. That's also what it comes down to for me, especially in the context where, I mean, my presumption is that it is the show for, you know, the man in a dark suit. And in that case, I want a lot more of him, right? Like, as I said, at the top of this uh, teaser session, personally, I was very drawn to his conversation with the the flight attendant and uh, adding that world building, adding who he is. And you, you even in conversation with the boy, with the mother, people around him, you can add that sense of character. And we don't necessarily need to understand his motives in the teaser, but we definitely need to get a sense of what is going on. Why is this happening in 1969 with this character in this moment and really adding that sense of history and emotion to the teaser, especially again, through the perspective, I feel like of the man in dark suit, or if it's another character, another character about the man in dark suit would really emphasize a lot of what the teaser is about. And therefore in my mind, define what the show really is. And our last teaser for the month is out for blood by Jack Furman. And in Out for Blood, we open on April Root holding an assault rifle alongside her friend Jeff as they are being held at gunpoint by the sheriff's department on a state highway. The sheriffs get close enough and start beating them up with excessive force as they arrest April and Jeff. Jeff tries to run, but is taken down by a taser. As the deputy comes over to him and tries to claim Jeff as a gun so that he can shoot him in self-defense, suddenly a hail of gunfire opens up on the police, blacking out their lights and cutting people down. Jeff gets up and flees into the night. We then cut to years later as a documentarian interviews both April, now known as Peril Apostna, and Jeff separately about the origins of the revolution that is still ongoing and how they first came to their radical political beliefs. What did you think of Out for Blood? Yeah, this was an interesting one. I thought that there was good action writing and pacing and use of white space, especially in that opening moments, whether in that standoff with the police. And I also think that the, you know, the content of this is pretty topical and timely to what's happening today uh, in terms of the government and the police and the, you know, the, the systems that uh, people are, are rallying against. Um, but for me, I think this teaser had the issue of opening really strong and then getting less interesting towards the end. 
Um, you know, people sitting down to be interviewed just in general isn't particularly compelling. And especially when we don't really get juicy questions or things that hint at what's going on or what's happened that we can't wait to flash back to, you know, think about True Detective season one. Right now, the interview all feels pretty perfunctory and they're kind of talking around the issues and setting up the interview. And then we cut out right when we're going to get an answer to something interesting. So, you know, you started off so strong in the middle of a gunfight and then you're kind of drawing on less and less of the audience's attention as you get towards that bit, which is, I think, the opposite of what you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that teaser we reviewed, I think, last time with the the pastor family. And then it was actually about the kid uh, doing a podcast about that event. In the same way here, we sort of have two different things happening where we have the main event, the meat of the pilot, or the, at least the teaser, which is that firefight. And then we have this sort of meta element of these documentarians uh, interviewing two different people about that event or about the revolution and so forth. So I will just echo what I had said last time, which is in essence, uh, if you are actually going to want to do this sort of documentary about the thing, then I would want it to be either front loaded or at least interspersed with what's going on. The action is strong in the context of this is a firefight. There's a lot of tension happening. We want to know what happens next. And what happens next is let's cut to years later in this very quote unquote inactive moment of these characters passively retelling their experiences, which doesn't really add much to what was going on to really warrant it in that teaser in my mind. Yeah, for sure. There was also like a minor moment there where they're talking to Jeff and they ask him his last name and he says that it's like Epstein. And so there's this whole like Jeffrey Epstein joke or reference. And it, it, I don't know, it just didn't really work for me. I think it was either, you know, intended as a comic relief moment, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot that's funny about that whole situation. And it also just didn't feel in line with the tone of the rest of the, the piece as well. And, you know, I think for you, Alex, you were even confused about like, is he actually Jeffrey Epstein? When I read that, I was like, wait, is this meant to be a reveal that <laughs> this is actually zombie Jeffrey Epstein? And this some sort of, it's probably because the, the content of the show is very hot. In a weird way, it could be some sort of conspiracy kind of show. Or it's, a, like you said, it is a joke. But either way, it's sort of a weird thing to put into a teaser that's already kind of fraught with tension within the subject that it's dealing with. To me, that wasn't specifically appealing in that teaser. Right. I think if anything, it just sort of distracts from the main point and, and maybe isn't as necessary. You could probably come up with some other joke there to uh, just lighten the tension or whatever you're going for. And are there any micro notes we have on this script? Uh, yeah, I have a, a couple. Uh, the big one in terms of the formatting is that it felt a bit bloated with the transitions without really servicing the story. For example, midway through the teaser, you have cut to black and then over black, the sound of a steel knife and then fade into the documentary uh, aspect. And that also happens not just in the middle of the teaser, but obviously at the top of the teaser. And logistically, there's already a lot going on with, if you look at the, the second half of the teaser, there's already intercuts between you know time periods and interviews. So structurally and format-wise, there's already a lot there in terms of understanding what the story that's being told is without marrying it in essentially editorial cuts uh, on top of it. Like, you know, the cut to black uh, over black fade in multiple times, all within seven pages. So for me, uh, some of those are really more almost editorial post-production choices than they really are helping shape the reader's mind. And I understand the appeal, especially at the, again, the very, very top, as soon as you start a pilot, I get the appeal there, but reusing sort of the same ideas throughout the teaser when we're already dealing with a lot logistically uh, that was kind of a micro note there at least yeah for me and this is something i had to really kind of search for but i don't think that everyone will really agree but sometimes i find that when people do these kind of like 
the title of the episode, like show name colon title of the episode, it can get a little bit in the way for me sometimes. And especially if I'm not familiar, if this is the first time I'm reading it, I might think that's the title of the whole show or whatever. And in, in best case scenarios, sometimes it just feels like one of those like insert quotes on a feature where someone has a quote from Nietzsche or whatever before you start. I think people get very carried away with, here's my episode title. Realistically, if you're, it's a pilot episode, the episode title is going to be called Pilot. <laughs> so just like from a practical perspective there. And I think that, you know, I don't know, sometimes it can just kind of like muddy things up, especially if you get very carried away with, here's the episode title and it can distract from it. But it's not a huge deal. A lot of people do it. It's fine. But there's something to be aware of that, like, realistically, the, the title of your episode is going to be Pilot. I think you can have your cake and eat it too in the context of if you have like out for blood and then underneath you have sort of quote first as strategy then as farce and quote and then underneath pilot so at least it symbolizes it is the pilot and you name the pilot that the bump is sort of putting episode one this this that which if it is a produced show go for it but as a spec sample episode one really feels a bit uh, presumptuous on the page um, so I think that's where my line is drawn personally. All right. Well, what makes us want to read on here versus not? For me, it's essentially a better sense of what I guess the show is in the context of, especially because we have that huge set piece at the top. And so we enter the show thinking, oh, there's going to be a very topical sort of political thriller about a police state of some sort and the revolution they're in. And then we cut to a documentary footage, you know, years later about that same event and sort of the juxtaposition of those wasn't enough for me in the context of understanding what the show really is about. And so getting a better sense of, is it actually sort of a meta documentary about this revolution or is it a show about the revolution? And in which case we don't really need the documentary years later. Uh, So getting a better sense of that would really sharpen the focus of this teaser and show for me. Yeah, for sure. It always takes some of the risk, I guess, out of it. If you know that the characters are still alive and, and safe at the end of it all, you can't really, you know, play with those expectations as much. But, you know, I think it can work. And I, again, I use that reference of True Detective season one. I think that that's the way that you want to do these interviews and stuff. You know, they're hinting at stuff. What they're being interviewed about is intriguing, compelling. We can see in their characters how they've kind of been destroyed by what they went through. You know, I think in the teaser, you really don't want to hold back. If we're going to be doing this whole interview stuff, then maybe cut into April talking about the first time she killed a man or when they burned down the White House or whatever it happens to be. Like, I want to see what are the juiciest parts of this show? What would an interviewer or documentarian uh, be most interested in? And really using that to kind of highlight what we're going to be seeing in the rest of this show. You want that moment that the documentarian goes to April and what's that first thing that, especially 10 years, 20 years later after revolution, which is going to be a bloody revolution, presumably, what is the most shocking thing that April did, right? And and maybe the, the sort of meta aspect of the documentary is actually April isn't really comfortable telling that story or she's telling a different story and we see the truth or something like that. The True Detective used a lot of those techniques where they would either say one thing or another thing, but you know, sort of the truth is sometimes stranger than fiction or in the context of the truth of what happened back in the nineties was stranger than what they would admit on tape in that interview. So that's one example. Another example, actually I'll mention that I would say like one listener will know what I'm talking about here is the WB show, Jack and Bobby, which was a brilliant show about, I don't know, 20 or maybe not 20 years, but 15 years ago. And the concept of that show was essentially you have uh, in present, day it's like a family show with uh, two young uh, kids and their mother and it's like their you know day-to-day struggles there and then you have this documentary taking place i think 
30 years or 40 years in the future with Supreme Court justices and uh, departments of states, very important political people being interviewed about this president that would be happening in the future. We think it's the older boy throughout the pilot who becomes president in the future. And so that's very important. But the big reveal is at the end of the pilot, spoiler alert for a show 15 years old, is that the older brother actually dies at some point between the show, well, I guess the pilot and the flash forward sort of a meta documentary stuff. And the younger brother is actually the president. And so to that idea of Nick, what you said about, well, if we have a documentary in the future, we know who's alive, et cetera. I feel like even in that space, even if you do want to do that idea, then you, there are a lot of opportunities there to subvert expectations essentially of, we think April is alive, but actually she's not, or whatever version of that is. Again, I don't know the story of the pilot, so I can't comment on that. But generally speaking, there's a lot of opportunities there if you are actually moving forward with a sort of meta documentary aspect to really hone in on the opportunity there to really shock the viewer in a way that makes us want to read on. All right. And if the listeners want to submit their own paper teases, they can do that at paperteam.co slash teaser. And just as a reminder, we are now going to be taking those uh, short summaries of the rest of the pilot as well, whether that's a couple of paragraphs or you know, whatever you want to do to show us what the rest of your show is so that we can kind of comment uh, between the teaser and those things, uh, please start including those with them as well. And uh, also, as we mentioned too, we will be choosing another mentee a little bit further down the road. We should actually have some more solid information about that coming up in one of our future episodes in the next couple of weeks. So we're excited to start working with a new mentee and start that process all over again after the success of our, our last mentee, Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. So send your teasers in to be uh, in the running for that at pbtnco slash teaser. All right. And before we go, don't forget that we are on Patreon. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Paper Team via our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You'll get access to our Paper Patron podcast, uh, cheat sheets. There's a dedicated Paper Tease slot just for Patreon supporters. So get on this at paperteam.co slash Patreon, and we can keep producing a great show for you every week. So thanks to our listeners for taking the time to tune in as always. You can get all the show notes and uh, teasers uh, specifically for this episode at papertina.co slash 185. As always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes or questions, you can always send them to ask at paperteam.co. And what are we doing next week? Well, next week, we are going to be covering uh, the topic that we call less TV, less opportunity, which is basically looking at the ever shrinking number of episodes that are ordered in a season and how that affects uh, you as a writer and the business of the industry at large. So we'll take a deep dive into that uh, next week. It's going to be an interesting episode. So tune in then.